0: I freaking love the chaos. Like I think I was born for wartime more than I was for peacetime. When all the cards are out and all the rules are out, that's when I feel like I'm the most excited and most alive.
1: So that's Chris He, co-founder and CTO of Bravado. It was founded in 2017 in San Francisco, and it's a community for sales professionals that allows them to develop their skills, build their credibility, and expand their networks. Seasoned sellers can collect customer testimonials and referrals while someone still in early stages of their career can participate in Bravado's sales mentorship program. Due to COVID 19 and shelter in place restrictions, Chris and I didn't meet in our usual studio setup at the SP office. Instead, thanks to high speed internet and technology, we both joined a video call from our own homes. I asked Chris how he was doing during this time of uncertainty.
0: It's definitely been stressful, but I don't think in the traditional, we're not laying people off, we're not like doing any of that stuff. So it's really good. I took the long-term perspective thinking that this is probably the tip of the iceberg and the clearest minds will probably win in this scenario. So sit tight
1: one of the interesting things is what we're experiencing right now is global it's something that everybody is dealing with technology is allowing us to communicate and understand each other better and because of that a lot of barriers are coming down it's almost like we're a village now maybe i'm romantic about this what do you think
0: I'm a, probably an optimist on this sense. There's one side, I think, from an, if you think about it from an environmental standpoint, like nature is probably looking at this and being like, thank God, you know, <laughs> like, finally, don't go out and drive cars every single freaking day. But I don't think we would be here without technology. We wouldn't be able to communicate. We wouldn't have the same ability to react uniformly. It's also sad to see a lot of people get laid off 25% unemployment. Yeah, people
1: are hurting. He's right. People are hurting right now. It's really a challenging time for the world. Now, while he may be young, bravado isn't his first company. When he was in college, he built and designed an app with his roommates. And I asked him what he learned from that experience. Everything. I think it was around
0: junior year in college. My roommate and his father actually were dreaming up of an idea, and I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." It was kind of like a Yelp for students. And so I remember when we first started building it, I would go around to all the parties with my computer and try and get signups. And in the beginning, it's just you and your dreams and there's no rules. So actually that's, I think really drew me there in the first place was when I first thought about startups and building something from scratch, if you failed, you failed. And like, there was no one there to tell you what, are the rules because if you're building something innovative or something that hasn't been built before, like you really have only yourself to rely on and your teammates, I thought that that was exciting. And plus, like I kept getting the advice that if there were a time to do it, college, when you don't have a kid and you don't have all of these other mortgages or whatever, you don't have responsibilities. So I figured at that time, what do I have to lose? (laughs)
1: Chris's first venture didn't grow like Bravado has. So when he finished college, he started a job at a company called ViRule, where he met his co-founder, Sahil. I wonder if he had any idea that less than five years later, they'd be running their own company together.
0: <laughs> no, not a chance. After the first app kind of died, uh, I figured it was probably a good time to get a real job. And so when I interviewed at this company. It was called Virul. It was video ad tech up in San Francisco. And i had been living in Los Angeles at the time. I flew up to San Francisco and I remember Sahil was one of the three people to interview me. And it was actually really funny. And we told this story to our first investors at Bravado, but he basically walked in and said, Hey, so I hear, you know how to scrape websites. And he brought in a laptop and he just put the laptop in front of me, opened the laptop and said, can you scrape this website? And I was like, okay, yeah, like I need a few minutes, but let me take the time and do it. And he's like, of course, like just relax and do it. And so I wrote the script and then started, turned the computer around. And as it started populating, I remember his eyes like lighting up and he was like, okay, cool. He closes the laptop and just like walks out basically. Obviously, he said he introduced himself and whatnot before that, but that was pretty much the entirety of our first conversation. And I had absolutely no idea that five years later that I would be running a company with him.
1: Sahil and Chris have a certain harmony together. They each bring something different to the table. And in the time we've known each other, Chris and I have often talked about what makes successful co-founder relationships, how important it is to respect each other and to have skills that complement each other. And you can truly hear the respect Chris has for Sahil when he talks about the lessons he's learned from working with him.
0: I think it was actually you that taught me that some of the best co-founders partnerships were ones that had Venn diagrams that had very little overlap. And for Sahil and I, we definitely have very little overlap, which means the things we disagree on are very little. And when we do, we disagree and then we like figure it out. But Majority of the time, he's in his wheelhouse and I'm in my wheelhouse. And especially in the beginning of building a company, like it's so important that you guys are not arguing about everything and that there is a complementary relationship. I feel like he comes from a background of a lot of sales and, you know, he's great with communicating, he's great with speaking with people and doing research. I'm more on the technical and product side. So I could take all of those stories that he basically gives me and shares with me and turn them into something that is a product. And that was, as he put it, I dream it up and he packages it really well. This was like the, how we got the flywheel started. I mean, it was really you that taught me this, this whole Venn diagram. I and mean, it's just really stuck. One of the m- really important lessons I feel like you learn throughout your entrepreneurial journey is like in the beginning, when there's no one there, like you have to be the technician, you have to be the person to do everything, like do it. And just get it done. And then over time, you realize that if you continue to do it, be the person to get it done, you're actually creating a dependency on yourself, which is in a way, you are actually creating a liability for your own company. You don't learn that in a playbook, you don't learn that in school or anything. It's just like you start to realize that over time, you can't do everything. And at some point, you need to trust your team. In fact, the thing that has been more helpful is not jumping into every problem you see. We have a saying at Bravado that Sahil has always said as well, which is building a startup is like walking into a house and everything is on fire. And your job is basically to just figure out which fire is going to kill you first. And if that fire is not the fire that's like the kitchen that's going to ruin your entire life, don't go and fix it. And that was really hard for me to learn in the beginning because as someone who's very hands-on and who liked to do the work and knew how to do it, I wanted to go and fix everything. Can't do it. And it's just part of the maturity, I guess.
1: Chris has an artistic mindset when it comes to how he views the world technology, and even building a startup. From the creative vision to his passion to seeking feedback and committing himself fully, I wanted to know if he was always like this. I don't really
0: know. So my my parents, I was born in Canada and my parents immigrated there when they were relatively young. Both my parents are from Shanghai. My mom was a system administrator for Oracle, highly technical role and worked with computers and so did my dad. And so I think there was some entrepreneurial computer gene in there somehow. But I just remember my parents always drilled into me, do something valuable, do something good for the world. And I wanted to invent flying cars at that point, but I had no idea if that was
1: a feasible thing at that time. Just like an inventor or an artist, Chris wholeheartedly invests himself in his ideas. Nevertheless, there is a feeling of imposter syndrome that still sometimes lingers.
0: I still suffer. I mean, I don't think I've really gotten over it yet, but I remember feeling imposter syndrome for like two years straight. And the first time it really hit me was when we were first starting up Bravado. Sahil was a EIR at Expa, which was this incubator in San Francisco. and. I remember we were trying to get angel investment at this point and we didn't have a product. We didn't have anything. So it was just a Google Slides deck. And Sahil's wife, Jordan, is in in VC. And to help me prep for the first meeting I had with one of our angel investors, she asked me basically like, why are you here? Like, what do you have to offer? And it was so hard for me to tell my own story. It was so hard for me to be able to just be like, I really want to do this because and hear the skills and stuff that I have because I was 24 years old at that point. I was trying to convince someone who had started their own company and like is investing in a bunch of companies why they should invest in me, not the product. There's no metrics to look at. There's no nothing to look at. The only thing to look at is just your personality, your experience and they're looking for like founder market fit at this point. And I was so terrified. I remember doing push-ups in the elevator up because I was shaking and sweating and like getting all confused in the head and I totally bombed it. I bombed that meeting. I just sucked. And I just ended ended up talking about not important things and it was fine. Get over it. And I think it's just a little bit of making the mistakes and at least having people who you trust and who are there for you in the long run to kind of support you. I don't know how else to get over imposter syndrome. I wish I had a magic bullet, but I really don't think there is one.
1: So what was Chris really afraid of in those early days?
0: I think I was definitely afraid of being judged. I think almost every artist or person that I know who started or created something from scratch has that feeling. And I don't think it's a bad I don't think it's a bad thing. It just depends on how you use it, which is to say that the reason why you care about what other people think is you want you want whatever you would create to be good and you want that validation in terms of, yeah, it's useful. Yeah, it's unique. But I think the problem is when you tie your own personality to that product or you tie your own personality to that piece of work, then all of a sudden when people disagree or don't like it, then you take that personally. And over time, you start to learn that it's actually really helpful to get feedback on the concept and on the product that you should crave that kind of criticism and appreciate it. But then all of a sudden, you like take your hands off and you're like, tell me what you disagree with it. Why don't you like it? What's wrong with it? And this is what I think makes you better as as an artist.
1: So we're dealing with quite a crisis now with COVID. Just like at the beginning of building a company, you find out an awful lot about yourself, your team and your community when things are hard. What are some of the things that you've found out about yourself and your team during this time?
0: The thing I found out both about myself and the team is that we are really resilient and that the resilience comes from supporting each other and being there for each other. I'm remembering like two weeks ago now. The thing I kept telling myself was, you just gotta keep going in this time. I actually, honestly, I love the chaos. I'm gonna stop beating around the bush. I freaking love the chaos. Like I think I was born for wartime more than I was for peacetime. And when all the cards are out and all the rules are out, that's when I feel like I'm the most excited and most alive. Because there's no one, once again, there's no playbook, there's no rules, there's no anything. And it's back to that zero stage where you're like, okay, like from first principles, how are we going to build our way up back to having a plan, or, you know, knowing where we're going. And I guess maybe something I learned about myself is that maybe that's what I was just designed for. I really love it. I'm someone who, if you want to get something done, I wanna get it done yesterday, like super fast. But for the first time, I feel like I took the long-term perspective and I said, this is gonna be here for months, maybe years.
1: So as Chris reflected on his growth as a founder and a leader, we also talked about the difference between insecurity and humility. That humility is being okay with what you don't know and being a student for life. While insecurity can feed the fear of failure. How does Chris navigate that?
0: I think over over time, you find out what you're really good at too and what you're not so good at. I think this is probably common for most people, but I'm not sure, which is if you're an artist and you're a founder, you kind of expect people around you to be like you. And that's just like not true. Number one, the people around you, if they are employees and stuff or whatever, they probably don't have the same drive as you. But also they maybe haven't been there for the zero to one stage. So they didn't understand the grit or whatever you went through at that time. And as you go through the entrepreneurial journey or your own personal journey, you really find out that, oh, shoot, I'm actually really good at that, like building product and doubling down on your superpower and doubling down on that and really owning it in the beginning. And it's not about being perfect. There's a product manager that I work with who always keeps putting this like mantra in my head, which is, it's not about being perfect. You just have to be good enough. Just commit. Fail or not fail, you're going to learn something incredible through this journey. And I would also say... I myself went through this, which is like, you're going to feel really lonely along the way. What's really counterintuitive is that everybody feels like that. Everybody feels super lonely and find some freaking mentors. Find people who you can text when something goes bad, call when something goes wrong, celebrate when something goes right. And like, who's not involved with your company or like with the experience who can give you that third party perspective. So important. And I'm talking mostly to myself at this point because I'm still doing that and finding mentors, but like those go so far.
1: That was Chris Hee, co-founder and CTO of Bravado. Bravado is the first community platform for sales professionals. And their goal is to inspire the public to reimagine the salesperson's stereotype as well as encourage students across the U.S. to enter and redefine the sales field. Their community includes 50,000 members and 1,000 sales teams from Salesforce, LinkedIn, Microsoft, Slack, Oracle, IBM, and others. Last year, they raised $8.5 million in Series A funding. Next time on Think Like a Founder, I talk to Celestine Schnug, founder of Boom Capital, a VC fund for under-networked entrepreneurs. We talk about growing up on a farm, seeking after-school detention, and writing your own obituary. Think Like a Founder is produced by SNP Communications in San Francisco, California. Learn more by visiting us at snpnet.com or connect with me, Maureen Taylor, on LinkedIn to continue the conversation there. Series producer is Roisin Hunt. Sound design by Mark Ream. Creative producer, Eli Shell. Content and scripting by Mike Sullivan. Production coordination, Natasha Thomas. Thanks also to Selena Persiani Schell, John Hughes, and Ren Barra. This is Think Like a Founder.